Thank you, Becky. We never know what comes up in the course of a day, but last week uh, two things came up that was not on my calendar, but it was on God's calendar. Uh, my sister, my brother's sister-in-law uh, passed away last Tuesday morning. And, uh, but that was a, that, that was a, uh, um, a hard time to go through. Not that I was involved with any of it because it's a distant relative. But there was another call I got yesterday and my friend Doug passed yesterday afternoon at 2.40. Um, last time I was home, you know, I go down and I cut it, I cut his hair. <coughs> uh, he's a Vietnam vet, and I honor him for his service. I honor him for his work. He was quite a soldier, but he was a tormented man because of what he saw in the war. And Doug, <coughs> in particular, was uh, not a man who would set foot in church, uh, and yet I would go down to his man cave in the garage where he had all these antique tools and uh, uh, I loved Doug. I came to love him and understand him. He was a cantankerous fellow and uh, there were other Vietnam vets who were there, soldiers who had suffered during the war and I would cut all their hair. They would drink beer and they would cut hair and we would talk about Jesus. And I was the only guy he said I would trust to get into uh, close to him to let him know his, or let me know his story and and he did so my heart uh, is heavy f for both of these two my sister-in-law and uh, my sister-in-law's sister uh, Sharon and uh, and for Doug both of these were weighing on my mind this week as I thought back as God does remind us every time we go through a death I think back to what happened to my mom about a year, uh, almost two years ago now. Um, and the question came to my mind, because I know Doug and I know his faith, and I know Doug's faith wasn't well developed. I know Doug didn't read the Bible, didn't go to church. He had a lot of questions and a lot of things that were not resolved at all. And... Uh, and I was reminded of what I did after my mom's death uh, when I was raking leaves that afternoon. Uh, God said, you know, Jerry, heaven is filled with people with little faith. The question is, how much faith does it take to get into heaven? Uh, and thinking about faith is what we want to do today as we think about uh, the relationship between your faith and your salvation and your eternity. But more than that, there's a whole lot that goes on with this topic about faith. And so where else do you go to learn about faith in the church? <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. As we get into Acts 3, I want you to understand that this passage, this this whole book, is. I want to open up your your blinders and your, your American Western mindset from 2000 and go back in time to understand what God is doing throughout all the ages. And we're going to look at faith in particular because the Bible is very clear <clears throat> that you have to have faith to please God. But the writer of Hebrews says that faith is the confidence. 
It's the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Now, there's a lot of questions with that when you think about how people that you rub shoulders with and how you talk about faith, and it's really difficult. It's very difficult to talk about faith because the language, are, we get caught up in the words. So let me, let me be a teacher today and, and bear with me as I go through some things, but I want to stimulate your thinking in order to stimulate your faith. And so here's a question. William James said this, belief creates the actual fact. Do you agree with that? Belief creates the actual fact. Thumbs up if you believe, thumbs down if you don't. Give me a thumbs up. Yeah. I get thumbs up and down. <laughs> because it, you, you get both, you get, you get caught in the tension. But here's the tension uh, between faith and belief. And so as you get into that, uh, when you think about faith, and as many Christians do, we tend to think that faith is this powerful experience, this, this conviction, this thing that uh, we begin with. And as Dallas Willard said, faith is the starting point of an interaction with God. And yet, for many people, they think, if I have faith in Jesus, that's all I need to do. And many, many churches and many people who are biblical churches and evangelicals in particular, as we hold the scriptures to be true, we have been conditioned to think that I need to have faith in order to get to heaven. That by dying on the cross, Jesus paid for my sins, and that gives me the access to get into heaven. So, and we believe that. We believe that, but for some people, that's all it is. So faith is the do not pass go, do not go to jail, I mean, get out of jail card free. It's like, I've got my ticket to get on board the train, I get to go to heaven because I accepted Jesus. This is what I believe. <coughs> Excuse me. But faith is just the starting point of an interaction with God. There we go. But, but belief or profession of faith is not the final goal. It is the beginning of discovering reality as God sees it. But simple, simple belief misses the point. Well, what is the point? Well, here's our tension. What we, when we talk about faith and we talk about belief, these words are interchangeable. And so... We don't have a good differentiation between what they mean. But faith is not belief. Follow, with, follow me. Because belief is passive. But faith is active. By faith you have expressions that you can move mountains in prayer, said Jesus. By faith, faith if it ha doesn't have action, it's dead without works. And therefore, as we understand the difference... As you look at God and to see God at work in the world, William Cowper said, God moves in mysterious ways, in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable mires of never-failing skill, he treasures up 
his bright designs and works his sovereign will. Notice the next part. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. But God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. And therefore, when you come to belief and trying to understand who this God guy is and what God is doing on earth for heaven's sake, <laughs> or what he's doing in our circumstance for our sake, we have to ask the question, you got faith? And so you don't think much about faith. You don't think about it because it's a subconscious attitude of the heart that you and live by, and therefore it's very important. And yet when you go around and you talk to people, you say, well, everybody's got faith. Everybody believes that religion is important, but it doesn't make a difference what you believe because they're all the same, right? And you will hear this, and if you're trying to communicate the Christian faith, the biblical faith, to people who just have a secular faith, you're talking the same language. And my, my friend in Mexico, it took me six months before I understood the difference I was talking to my friend Oscar, who was saying that God is love, but in his brain, he had just switched love. Love is God. He was worshiping love, but he wasn't worshiping God. But we used the same language, and we got confused. It took me a long time before I saw that he wanted love, but he didn't want God. And if you get into these discussions, you really have to pay attention, and therefore, there, there are differences. Yesterday, I enjoyed going over to the Coptic uh, church over in Seven Hills and uh, seeing how the, the folks there, we had a great food, falafel and uh, lamb shank and uh, all kinds of pastries. It was great. But when you go into their tradition, uh, the way they did things, the way I saw them interact with the priest, they held out the cross and they kissed the cross and they bowed down. There was, there was just a different ritual. But the point is, people think, well, it doesn't make a difference. It's all the same. Is it? Our friend Ravi Zacharias says, people think all religions are fundamentally the same, but superficially they're different. And he goes on to propose that he thinks that all religions are superficially the same and fundamentally different. If you ever hear anybody says they're all the same, then you've met somebody who doesn't have much understanding of religion at all. That's why we here at the church are trying to focus on, you guys have got this memorized by now, right? Everybody got this memorized? Because I do expect you, and I'm, I'm, I'm really requiring of you, to one, know these five things and be able to be able to converse intelligently about these things because this is what we're saying is our definition of a biblical church. We want to be Christ-centered, not church-centered, not denominational-centered, Christ-centered. We want to be people of the book that we believe is... Uh, is a God-given, inspired, inspirational revelation. And therefore, it's not man-made, it's not an historical document, it comes directly from God's uh, 
work bench as he is the author and the perfecter. We believe the revelation of that book that you have in your hands is something that will never be discovered by science because it's coming from the heart of God himself. We believe that that story, uh, the message of the gospel is the redemptive message and that message is really the base. And I'm kidding, I'm cutting out here a little bit. I don't know why. But that redemption story is what you need to be able to communicate to people. You need to know it well because it is the hope for restoration. It's the starting point of the interaction with God. But that starting point means there should be some change and some activity going on in your heart and your soul and your spirit as you get to know who this Christ Messiah friend is. But the last one, we believe here in the church that it's not about what you believe. It's about who you believe and how well you relate to him, how well you know him. And it's that understanding that we are relational in our focus, that we want to be a community of faith, a, a forgiven community, a forgiving community, a learning community, a struggling community. But we're honest about what we struggle with. Nobody has it together, right? Anybody here have it together? No. And therefore, we need to know what it means to walk in grace by the revelation of Christ so that we reflect Christ to each other. Now, the problem in, in, in Acts 3, where we're going, in Acts 3, you know the healing had been taking place. <clears throat> and Peter and John were at the temple talking about the crippled man who was healed. And then immediately, what I want you to know in that passage, he totally forgets the healing and he goes off he no longer talks about the crippled man. Healing isn't the focus of that passage. And it wasn't the fact that God could do miracles. That's not the focus. The focus was that Christ had been revealed as the miracle had been given uh, to this cripple, just like the miracles had been given when Jesus was here on earth. The same miracle, the same spirit is doing the same healing. It was about the manifestation that God's kingdom is now being fulfilled because Jesus died on the cross, was raised from the dead, and had sent his spirit, and the spirit is still at work doing the same thing. But Peter says to, this, to the fellow Jews, he says, now fellow Israelites, I know, he says, I know that you acted in ignorance. That's going to win friends and influence people. <laughs> You acted in ignorance. You didn't know what you were doing. But notice here, it says, as did your leaders. Now that's important. It's very important. Because not only was he saying to the Israelites, we, are all, we all missed it, as did our leaders. And he's putting the particular emphasis on, on the leader on the leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that the Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, from the Lord, and that he may send you the Messiah, which I think is, it means that the Spirit of God will come to those who turn and trust Christ, the Messiah he was sent for. Well, Notice that they acted in ignorance. And that's one point I want you to understand because Jesus would say, uh, can the blind lead the blind? Can the ignorant lead the ignorant? And will they not both fall into the pit? Well, sure. But Jesus would go on to say that 
who you follow is important. So important that he said that a student is not above his teacher. But once that teacher teaches, and once that teacher passes on that knowledge, that student rises up to the level of the teacher. And that will be enough. Uh, he will be just like their teacher. Now we understand this in our day and age by this, this, these phrases of a being apprentice. I don't know how many people have been through an apprentice program, but an apprentice is the one who's committed to learn. And he learns someone called a journeyman. The journeyman, the instructor, the one who passes on the skills of the trade so that the practice and the skill sets become a competency uh, that is employable, and you can trust the people who have been trained. Jesus would take that one more level that you become like the master himself. But you've got to be careful because now you have to pay attention to what you're being taught. And you have to pay attention to who's leading you. And for that reason, Proverbs would say, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. That's what we talked about last week. And you get around certain people who are going to influence you away from the gospel like Marty Sampson or like Bart Campolo or like Charles Schultz. People will influence your faith. People will influence you by what you believe. By sheer relationship, you have an impact and influence on other people. There's a Spanish proverb that says this. He who walks with wolves or he who runs with wolves, learns to howl. Or he runs with dogs, you pick up fleas. There's another one. But, but the idea of the, the people that you run with really do influence, and they do matter. And therefore, for that reason, David would say, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that uh, sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law he meditates day and night. This person is a tree planted by the streams of water which yields its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatsoever they do, they prosper. This is a good, a good man that's grounded, that's strong. He's, he knows he's solid and, and he's fruitful, he's effective because he's meditating on the word of God. But the wicked... Not so, not so. Therefore they uh, are like the chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Following a group of people and being influenced by sociological law, by political uh, polls, you can be certainly influenced. There was a research study that they had where they took a, 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 a nine people, they trained the people <coughs> before this experiment, experiment was done. And they put a, a, a laser beam, shot it on a light, uh, sh shot the light on the wall, and they fixed it so the light would not move. But they trained those nine people to say, uh, when asked the question, do you see the light moving or is it still? And person number one say, oh, it's moving. Oh, it's moving. Well, look how fast it's moving. And the light was just a point. It wasn't moving at all. And all nine people were trained to say it's moving. 
the guinea pig was brought in at the end, number 10, and uh, that was the test case. Would they conform to the previous nine people or would they say what they really felt was true? And guess what happened? Well, the person came in. Uh, oh, it's moving. It's definitely moving. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. Let me think about it. It's moving. It's moving. It, yeah, I think it's moving. And all of well, maybe, I don't know. It's moving. And then they come to the guinea pig. Now, what would you say when you, you're confronted with the fact that you see it's not moving, but everybody else says it's moving? What would you do? The conviction to stand up against what nine people said was the test. Would you stay with the truth or would you be influenced by the nine? That was the test. The percentage of most people say it's moving. They don't want to look stupid. They don't want to feel out of place. They don't want to feel like they've, they're going to create a tension. They don't want to... So they, they take the convenient way out. Well, yeah, it's just an experiment. It's moving. No big deal. But the idea is when you do that with faith, you really are in trouble. And now here's the trouble. We use these languages, uh, we use these words, so bear with me as I go through them. Ignorance, doubt, and unbelief. Ignorance, lacking wisdom or knowledge, means unaware. It comes from the Latin ignorantum, not knowing, gnosis, where we get the word knowledge. So we know about ignorance all too well. But the word doubt, do you know what the word doubt means? It means dubitare, in two minds. In two minds. As you read this, it means to dread, uh, to fear, be afraid, uh, doter, duten, but uh, the Latin is dubitare, to doubt, to question, to hesitate, to, to waver in opinion. So if you are in doubt, you're caught in a tension between two worlds. You can't make the decision because you doubt. And James says and explains that if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask of God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. If you need wisdom, ask God. He'll give you wisdom. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because doubt, uh, when, when you begin to doubt what God says, then it says something about you. But it says if you doubt, you're like the like a wave on the sea, blown and tossed by the wind, and that person shouldn't expect to receive anything because they're in two worlds. You can't serve Satan and you can't serve God. You can't serve both. The house is going to be split because you're in two minds. Well, now you've got belief and unbelief. The, the Israelites acted in ignorance, but they were also acting acting in unbelief. And Jesus would go and say, well, I find faith here. But he couldn't find faith because there was a lot of unbelief. Belief means the confidence reposed in a person, a thing. It's faith in a religion, to hold dear, to esteem, or to trust. Now, to believe, you hear this overlap with faith, but the thing about belief is at the core of your being, and so Jesus would always connect what you think and what you hold to be true to be at the core of your heart. He says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, for your treasure is, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And therefore, if you're doubting what, where life is or 
you're confused or you're, you're not aware, you will have questions. And those questions are going to lead you to a search and you'll either go here or you'll go there. you either go to the Bible or you'll go to somewhere. But somebody's going to influence you. For Peter and, and John, when they went to the cripple, says, what I have I give to you. I don't have silver and gold, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And he, Peter gave the cripple what he understood about having faith in Christ. Well, what does it mean to have faith in Christ? And this word faith, to couple that with confidence, to couple it with assurance. Um, there was a, a man who talked about, who was it? Oh yeah, J.B. Phillips. When J.B. Phillips did his translation of the New Testament, and he came across Paul. And J.B. Phillips uh, said, you know, Paul was pretty arrogant. It was hard to take, he was so, he was so strong in his faith. J.B. Phillips said, I didn't know how to understand Paul until he began to understand all that Paul had gone through that tested him to make him strong to believe what he believed. And therefore, the words from Paul are fully persuaded. I am confident that he who began a good work in you will, will perfect it until the day of Christ, Christ Jesus. But when Paul talks about faith, in the Greek, the pistis word there, it would, would have this meaning that there is a faithfulness to a trust or a promise, faithfulness to a person, honesty, truthfulness, and it's from the Anglo-French and the Old French, feed, fede, faith, belief, trust, and confidence. So when you use the word faith, do you use the word confidence or do you use the word belief? But faith is confidence, and the word confidence uh, as it breaks down, C-O-N, con, with, F-I-D, the faith there is the fide, is the faith. With faith, I have confidence. Well, when you hear a phrase in the scripture, like man shall not live by bread alone, you may believe it, you may have the information about it, but do you really have faith in that? Do you have confidence in that? Because if you have faith in what that passage says, it will affect how you read the Bible. If you don't have faith, you won't read the Bible. Many people believe the Bible, but they don't have faith that they don't read it. And that's the difference. And like I said last week, many Christians are pretending to have faith over here, but there's nothing here. And that's not what I want for you. So you have to understand this. For Peter, John, for Paul, for, for all of us, faith involves four things. Faith and trust. If you use the word trust instead of faith, use that because it mean, it's closer. Faith and trust means this. First of all, there's an understanding. You understand. You comprehend. You are familiar with and you recognize the facts of the case. And if you understand somebody, then you have a good uh, knowledge, it's just the knowledge. But understanding isn't faith alone, it's just part of it. The second part of faith is respect. If you respect somebody, you're going to honor them, you're going to hold them in high esteem, you're going to follow them, you're going to say, I do have trust in you because I respect your abilities, I understand you are a man of character, you're a woman of character. But this respect has got to be there 
And the third thing is you've got to have value. That means that you want you want to be involved in this relationship. That not only do you have uh, whatever you go through, the tension or the conflicts, you have an understanding of who they are, you have a respect for who they are, but you want to be with this person. And you may have, you may have all three of these and yet not have faith. Faith requires four things. The last thing with faith is you have to make a decision. And that decision is to communicate to the other person, I am going to follow you. I'm going to stay with you. There's nothing that you do that's going to make me back off of my faith because I'm going to trust in you, Jesus. And therefore, faith involves these four things. Understanding, respect, value, and decision. That's why when you sometimes talk with an unbeliever, people try to get them to make a decision before they have an understanding. That's what happened to me. As a non-believer, I had many people come to me and they tried to get me to accept Christ because today is the day of salvation. I didn't understand any of it. And I didn't want any of it. And they tried to twist my arm and say, you better do it now because you won't be here tomorrow. And so a fear tactic or pressure isn't the way, isn't the way faith works. You see, if you come to have faith, you come to a different point in your life and what faith or trust in Christ means is this, that you have a settledness. There's something in your soul that you've, you've looked at all the facts, you've understood it, you respect the sources, and you say, I want this, and I'm making a decision. And your faith becomes a settled issue. Billy Graham had a trouble believing the Bible. And he went out one time and he had questions about this this, uh, some of the scholarly questions that came up and he got on his knees and before God he said, God, I don't understand all of this, but I trust you. And he settled it right there. It wasn't the questions that made the decisions. It was Christ that he wanted to follow and he stayed true to that. If, you're, if you have faith, there should be a peace on the inside that if you're settled, you say, this is the way I'm going to go. This is my conviction. This is where I'm going to walk. This is me, because you own it. The second thing, it's a single-minded devotion. As we pick up the cross as Christians, we are called to take up our cross daily. Do, do you know what a cross does? If you're crucified with Christ, as Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. If you are a cross, if you are nailed on a cross, you have been positioned and fixed to face one direction. If you are crucified, you have no alternative to go back but you're looking this way because this is where you are now going to be fine. And if you die on that cross, what's coming up is the resurrection. And the resurrection power and all that comes with the gospel is yours. And therefore, you have a strength, not because of your belief, a strength not because of your faith. Now hear this. We don't have a strong faith. We have a strong Messiah, a strong Savior. Our faith is not in our faith. 
Our faith is in the person of Jesus Christ. And therefore, don't be confused. Don't try to be strong in your faith without leaving, with, with, with cutting Jesus out of it. Our focus is on him. And therefore, we want to follow on the strength of our convictions. And this is what confidence is all about. It's the assurance, it's the assurance or the belief in the goodwill, the veracity of another. I believe Jesus is, is good to the core. Don't you? Yeah. I believe he will never fail me. Don't you? Yeah. I believe he isn't tricking me. Don't you? Yeah. So all my chips are on Jesus. And when I talk about God with people, I make sure I bring up not just belief in God, I talk about belief in Jesus. It's not just belief in belief or faith in faith. There's a conviction. And the word conviction means with, again, uh, vincere to conquer. It's the proof or the refutation. It's the noun of action uh, from the past to overcome decisively. Meaning the mental state of being convinced or fully persuaded you, you, you're, you no longer need any other information. The search is over. You've, you've got a settled faith. And therefore, when you have this conviction, when you have this core sense of faith, you're like Peter and John. You know Jesus Christ. And when the guys from the Sanhedrin came to Peter and John and said, now you can't speak anymore in Jesus' name. <laughs> I thought Peter must have smiled. You've got to be kidding me. He just... He healed the cripple. He just did Pentecost. And he raised from the dead. And this is the one I just abandoned two, uh, just several weeks before. I walked away from him. And now he's given me the strength of the Spirit to do this. And you want me to not speak in his name? You've got to be kidding. And Peter, I, just, I think Peter just shook his head. And John just, uh, whether we are going to obey you or obey Christ, it's a done deal. You guys, you lost you know, we're going to follow Christ. And therefore, be prepared as we get into the book of Acts. What does that mean? Well, it means if we're going to follow Christ, there's several things. That one, you won't be vulnerable to waver, as the men last week who were led astray. As you understand that once you follow Christ, as a Christ follower, the whole kingdom of God is right behind you. And therefore you need to fear no man. You no longer become a people pleaser. You no longer wrestle between the scientific or the scholarly thing. Is, is this true? Or it's not faith and knowledge. It's a simple decision. Will you follow Christ? And that's, what, that's all it is. Will you trust Jesus? And what we trust Jesus for is we trust that God's going to do what he's always done in earth is that faith, again, is the assurance of things hoped for. You can't see that, can you? Faith is not believing that God can. It's knowing that God will. And whatever God purposes to do, he will do for you because he is faithful. And therefore, that's when Peter and John came to that cripple. And he came to all of Israel and said, there is no salvation in anybody else. It's only in this one whom God has attested to you with signs and miracles. This is God himself. And by his spirit, he's opening up the whole kingdom. Well, as we conclude, I want you to go back and think about these things because 
as Psalm says, whoever is wise, let him attend to these things and let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. As you understand that we are in a tension where people are trying to question our faith or make us uh, give in or influence us to say this when it's that, but as Christians, we are called to truth and grace. We call things as they are. And as we move into that, uh, you understand with Paul, I know whom I have believed. Uh, and I would invite you to do the same. That when I talk, you question, you question not only me, but you go back to the Bible and you go investigate for yourself. Because... The blind won't lead the blind. I don't think I'm going to be leading in the blind. But if I'm not speaking according to this word, you need to call me on it. And that's what I, I need you to do that as well. So as we grow in our faith, your faith will be strong because your Christ is strong. And your faith will only be as strong as your understanding of who Christ is. And that's why I invite you to think about that the gospel is not just the starting point. It's the whole show. So as we live our lives in Christ, what Daniel said, people who know their God display strength and take action. And that's you, and that's me. Uh, as I pray for you, let me, let me close with the idea that this year, I hope you think about continuing to grow in your relationship and your confidence of who this Christ is. Let's pray. How foolish we are, Father, to, to trust in man. Your word says, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Thank you, Jesus, for being a master teacher, for being a, a wonderful savior, for going to the cross to wipe out my sins, to wipe out our sins, and to know that that if we simply turn to you and ask for wisdom, Father, we, we do so with not a double heart, but a single heart. We want to follow Christ. And following you, we want you to increase our heart to love you more. We don't want little faith. We want you to increase our faith. And so for those who, that will get into heaven with little faith, but it's not just about heaven, it's about knowing you. So Father, draw us closer. Build us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.